It's another Ian Collins wants a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi Outlander. The average car has over 30,000 parts. The Outlander has just one. Awesomeness. Get yours for just £249 per month, plus three years free servicing. Can I just, before we, anything, yeah, this, can I just say there's a lot of people listening to this who work damn hard, who work their Paolo Nattinis off. (laughs) For you guys and all you hardworking Brits and Europeans, just for the Farage, this is for you. If your job's about to kill you, but you can't afford to quit it, best advice said I is drink more beer Drink more beer Drink more beer Take a can in your hand and be damned if your troubles don't up and disappear Ian Collins wants a word Here we go. No messing. Right into it. Sideshow Kev. Uh, let's have some questions from your corner. Hang Come on. on. Hang on. I'm not Come ready. Come on. I'm not ready. Oh, for goodness sake. From? Bring back the old sideshow. He was fast, efficient, and didn't have a brain like a bucket. It's questions and feedback via... Blah, 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 blah. From Esther McVeigh. That's nice, isn't it? They're lovely. This podcast is too long. It needs austerity. I'm removing the next question. Thank you for nothing, Esther. Hashtag Atos. <laughs> From Strategic Dave, who's in Australia. I live in Melbourne. Why don't you do more for your international listeners? I know we used to be prisoners, but still. Uh, what, do you mean, do, what does he want us to do? I think he's suggesting... I mean, there is no barrier well, to this creative offering. We don't see race or colour, creed or religion. We just see uh, listeners. I think he's suggesting that we're too UK-focused or something. On account of us being in the UK. Funny that. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be talking more about... You're in Melbourne, and Melbourne is essentially the UK, but just on the other side of the world. How so? It's a very British city. There's a lot of parallels, uh, a lot of synergy uh, with the UK. I mean, Australia does, of course, anyway. Um, From, obviously, the monarchy to the justice system, to even driving on the correct side of the road, all of that that kind of stuff. Um, But I think Melbourne in particular. Melbourne is like, I suppose, the Edinburgh... Uh, you know, Edinburgh being that kind of, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit posh, isn't it? Oh, okay. Sex is what, you, know, the, you have the call in, and it's that kind of thing. And the, <laughs> I think the same with uh, Melbourne, you've got, I suppose, Sydney is the Glasgow, Melbourne is the Edinburgh. That makes sense. Uh, you've been to both, presumably. Uh, no, not Sydney, no. Really? I was booked for the Mardi Gras once, but had to cancel. Ah. Short notice. That's a shame. You've been to Sydney. And Melbourne. Yes, so what, that's a reasonable divide, isn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. Melbourne's more sort of arty, though, in certain places. It has little sort of pockets like... It's exactly that, Like a yes. sort of clean Camden. It's kind of like the South Bank, down I by the river. it is, It yeah. is, almost. In yeah. fact, I think I'm right in saying it's, it's also called the South Bank, down there by the river. Right. Um, can't remember the name of the river. It might be the Yarra. And there, anyway, it's got the art centres and the, the galleries and all that old caper. And it's very <laughs> lovely and it's very nice. But it's also a little bit British. Do you know what they do with wine? They have certain limits, the vineyard, as to how much wine they can make. 
uh, and and sell under their own label or something. So if you go into a bottle which is a f***ing stupid name for an off-license. Yep. Um, Online, mate. Yeah, bottle They have all of these, like, tubs of wine with no labels. And it'll have, like, a chalk sign saying, this is from this vineyard, and it's, like, six bucks. Or because they can't sell it with a label on. But they can sell it, but they can't sell it with a label mm-hmm. on. I think that's how it works. And there's also a, a weird stat. That it's something like 90% of all the wine in Australia is oddly French-owned now. Really? Yeah, it's something strange like that. Because they're quite a big wine-producing nation, of course. But I think the French just got in there and said, well, we'll buy up these suckers and their fields of joyous Samuel Blanc. (laughs) (laughs) They invented wine, you know. Lemon Jesus. From Betsy Henderson, the burlesque dancer from Dalston. Nice. Are you a tassel man, Collins? Are you? Are you? What, a tassel man as in... Do you like tassels on the end of some nupage? No, I don't. I find burlesque is the acceptable form of women getting out their... Wag, wag, oops. <laughs> That's all yes. it is, isn't it? Yes. Throw in some silhouettes and some lights and somebody goes, Oh, mama, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and suddenly... Let me buy your wine, Australians. <laughs> for some reason, you've just essentially legitimised the flange. Yeah. <laughs> Theatrically speaking, all you've done is uh, given a green light to stripping, but you've done it through... The... Now, I appreciate there is an art and there is a uh, history yes. uh, to all of that burlesque stuff. However, what I find just beyond excruciating in terms of embarrassment is uh, a nipple with a tassel attached to it. It is up there with kind of Bernard Manning, uh, seaside postcards... Yeah. It's like they, Kiss me quick hats. Yeah, it's like they cool. Look at the chicks on it. Yeah. It's that kind of mentality. It isn't fa- It's a bit like, you know, guys go, wow, yeah, look, massive knockers. God, look at those good old fun bags. Look at the size of those knocks. Uh, it's all of that. It's the kind of, and the, the, the tassel thing, it is so deeply unattractive and unsexy. And I, I find that with most of the burlesque stuff. I have, however, over the years interviewed a few burlesque dancers who used to come in on our uh, show on the previous place. Right. Um, Miss Polly Ray and the girls would pitch up every now and again, and uh, it was always, they, they were always lovely uh, people, and they knew their art and their, uh, what they were doing brilliantly, and their shows were slightly different. But I think there is a whole genre out there of people who thought, you know, how can I do this with just, like, legitimising my art? And um, the way it's been done is by simply calling it burlesque, doing your first bit, in a silhouette, and then the rest of it just whip out your <laughs> Not good enough. Wouldn't see that on the South Bank show, would you? From Peter Jones in the Den. If the only way I can ever live out the fantasy of sliding my sweaty arse down the face of Collins is via a once-a-word beach towel, <laughs> then I'm in. We were talking about this for the summer, the once-a-word beach towel. Like the idea. Like the logo. Yeah, the logo. Yes. On a beach towel. You pop it on there. No one's going to steal your sun lounge if they've got you staring at them with your little glasses on and your twiddly, twiddly you fingers. Yeah. Who's we'll, going to finance the beach towels, by the way? Well, well, people buy them and we'll, we'll find, you know, we'll, we'll sort it out. It'll be so fine. we make it a kind of a non-profit thing? I don't think we'd make... No, we make it a profit on, thing. Hang on, right. We might make a, a, a couple of, of shekels. A scintilla. Of... Yeah. But, I mean, here's my question for you. Okay. If we got these made, and when you go on holiday this year, and you do your little beach holiday... Would you take one with you? 
And would you actually use it as your beach towel? With me on the back of it. Because that would be gauche. I would. That would just be, like, every, extraordinary. Every day of the week I'd do it. And the fun, you know the funniest thing? I wouldn't tell my other half until, <laughs> until, I, until I got it out. I think that would be the funniest way to do it. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be brilliant. That would be... Oh. I, want, I so want this to happen now. If we honestly, if we get enough interest, kevatwantsaword.com. If we get enough interest, we will beach get them made I love it. for the summer. Yeah, let's have the beach towels. From Kenton Baxendale, the Mitsubishi driver. <laughs> Thank you, Kenton. He also seems to be some sort of 1950s swashbuckling comic book hero. <laughs> when you eventually do the road trip, ah, road trip. The road trip. Can I come with you? No. Also, why not do it from a European country? Oh, yeah. Collins could practice his French, and Kev could make inappropriate remarks about onions. What is it about the French on the podcast this week? I don't know. They've cropped up a lot. If we were to do the road trip um, from another country, presumably we would do it from another European country because logistically that would be easier to do. Yeah. Uh, which one would you select? Because I quite like the idea because I've never... I've, I've, actually, I've driven through it uh, of going to Luxembourg because no one else has ever been there yeah. that we know. Right. You've been there? Uh, I know someone who used to work in Luxembourg. Really? Yes, on the radio station. What, Radio Luxembourg? Yeah, yeah. Was that Tony Blackburn? No, it was Nick. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Did he work there? Yeah, he I did. didn't know that. Yeah, he used to tell stories about it being the most boring place on earth. <laughs> I, I didn't even realise it was actually in Luxembourg either, Radio Luxembourg. I yeah. Luxembourg owned, but probably from, I don't know, a pylon somewhere. <laughs> Top of a tree. Yeah, something like that. Someone shouting loudly. So I think we should go live from Luxembourg. I like the idea of Luxembourg. Yeah. We're, we're sort of bringing entertainment joy back to Le Luxembourg. Let's, uh, it's the obvious question. We often throw it out. Phone in radio, name a famous um, a famous Belgian. Uh, often gets thrown out. Yeah. Um, uh, and there are lots of them. Poirot. Uh, Poirot is the, always the one that comes up. And Tintin, I think, is the other one. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But also, name a, uh, a famous Luxembourgian. Um... Les Dennis. It's the only one I can think yeah. of as well, is yeah. Dennis, yeah, so that's it. He keeps it quiet. Yeah, I think, is that where he met Dustin G? It was. So. Dustin G, the forgotten man, on account of being dead. <laughs> it's kind of strange, wasn't it? Because they were sort of, quite, they were quite big. Do you, do, I think due to Russ Abbott. Yeah, Russ Abbott, they were like his sidekicks. Sidekicks, and then they became their own things. And they were absolutely huge in that kind of sort of 80s variety era, but they did big sh- big theatre shows. And yeah. the, you know, they did Blackpool summer season, Yama summer seasons, and they had it all going on, which was extraordinary for a couple of reasons. Because <laughs> that the main one being they they weren't very good at impressions, which really for two impressionists, I would have thought is somewhat a bit of a hazard in the job. Absolutely true. It was I I I, rem- I must have been possibly about two years old when when they were on the yeah, television. Yeah, we were both that age. Yeah, and <laughs> I just remember. And being terrible, they it did, was just not. They funny. did Coronation Street characters, and um, Les Dennis sort of famously did the Mavis thing. I don't. That's know who, right. Yeah. I don't know who Dustin G did. Um, Hilda Vera, probably. Vera, yeah, yeah, Vera. I think it was. It was yeah. exactly that. Yeah, it was Vera. And I just remember thinking, you know, these aren't difficult impressions. These are sort of <laughs> the easiest of all the characters you could pick because they're caricatures. And the characters that the actors are playing are caricatures. So all you've got to do is caricature the caricature. How yeah. hard can it be, Dustin and Les? And they couldn't manage to get that right. <laughs> Man alive. Rest in peace, Dustin. Yeah, rest in peace, Dusty. From phone in Freddy. Do you remember me, Ian? 
I called you on TalkSport in 2009 to talk about UFOs. Yeah, it's a great call. Uh, Freddie rang up about 20 past 10, stayed on to about 22 minutes past 10, owing to the fact that uh, he was, in fact, claiming to make psychic contact with, coincidentally, Dustin G. <laughs> really? Yeah, so I remember it all. And finally, Esther, from Blighty Ben. Are you going to see Kate Bush? I am. See you there. Meet you by the 30 quid hot dog stand. <laughs> Uh, I, no, I'm not. I think it sold out in about two minutes or something. It, yeah, yeah, it was extraordinary for someone who I don't think has done a live show for 25 years. And yeah. Might be crap at it now, for honest. Are they all... So who... I, what intrigued me about that was who were all... Because, you know, when they did the Vox on TV and they were asking people about, yeah. uh, you know, who got Kate Bush tickets, I think, you know... Go on, then. I'm not... Go on. No, you are... You were, you were going to say no, I wasn't. When they were walking around asking who wanted to see Bush, no, so that's what, right. you, were, that's no, what you were thinking. No, no, no you're you talking were. about that other you West were. London band. No, not them. No. Uh, when they were asking people, you know, outside ticket offices and the like, and uh, it was kind of the same sort of vibe. when they asked people about their exam results, and you had lots, lots of sort of young teenagers going, you know, I can't believe I got the Kate Bush tickets. And I'm thinking that's great, uh, that is fabulous, and obviously there's a you know, a fan base, and she's clearly, you know, a gifted songwriter and musician. I don't yeah. know if anybody disputes that, but very sort of specific following. And I wouldn't have imagined a whole bunch of 19-year-olds being available to, to talk about their success in getting Kate Bush tickets, but there were. Because I suppose from a TV point of view, the other option was that Newsround sort of spoke to some 80-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it, love. I th- since that babushka video, my life changed. Peter, didn't it change? Oh, hello. <laughs> I can't believe we're off to see Kate Bush. All right there, Kate, it's me. I'm the doctor now. Look, I got my screwdriver. I'll also be running up that hill chased by f***ing dogs. <laughs> Look forward to that. Thank you, Peter. Yes. Nice that he popped back to see us. Yeah. Uh, if you've got any questions uh, you want to throw our way, you can do it on Twitter. That's usually the easiest way, at Ian Collins UK, at Sideshow underscore Kev. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, coming up, Danny Wallace. Danny is on. Wallace? Danny Wallace is on this podcast saying things like this. They're all in there, stuffing their faces, that is laughing at us. Yes, here it is. It is the feature that takes a long, hard look at life's utter knobhead. You know the kind of folk, those who, regardless of sex, status or faith, find themselves acting in a penile-based manner. They might be off the telly, they could be your mate or your neighbour, it's even possible it's your own other half. Whoever they are, wherever they lurk, these are the people who, from time to time, display such traits of sheer dumbass buffoonery. You find yourself concluding only one thing. Hey! Hey! You're being a dick. And Kev, where do you want to start? I have one. Go. Vladimir Putin. I no. think that's pretty self-explanatory, really, yes. isn't it? I think, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. I think we can throw him in there. Well, I mean, is that it, because he likes to play a Bond villain and does it really well? He does do it well. He does it incredibly well. Yeah. Uh, this, I've interviewed a couple of people of late um, because of the whole Ukrainian thing, and uh, I interviewed his biographer, um, who was, was talking about just how incredibly sharp-minded and bright this man is. Mm. She sort of... You, know, you do have this idea in that sort of Gaddafi sense that this sort of pseudo-dictator 
is running the show, appearing to know what he's doing, and then behind closed doors, you know, he pulls down the tent flaps, and away he goes with some strange harem and, you know, lots of vodka, lots of <laughs> dancing girls, and all manner of nefarious goings-on. But apparently that isn't uh, what he does. You know, he works at 23 hours a day. He's diligent, he's bright, he's intelligent, he's on the ball, he knows where every nut and bolt is in the empire to... Uh, to, to coin a metaphor, and he's t- fully on top of his game, which makes it, frankly, all the more terrifying. Yeah, it is a little bit. I actually wasn't talking about that. I was just talking about those pictures of him with no top on going hunting and fishing and stuff. I think that just makes him look like a dick. Yeah, well, apparently the uh, the guy I spoke to t- talked about that, and he said that was the, 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 the low point of his entire career. He was advised to do that by a man who hasn't been heard of since, strangely enough. Really? But yes, they haven't seen much of him, put it that way. Oops. But it was one of those that somebody advised him to do and said it would look rather good. The other thing about Putin, which I think um, isn't said often enough, he's clearly had some work done. I think he may have done. Yes, and yeah. that doesn't really get referred to that often. No, no. But here's one for you. Mm. About a year ago, uh, one of the random acts of annoyances that I selected was uh, people who decide to say on their email, I'm on annual leave oh, at the yes, moment, yes. rather than I'm on holiday. Yeah. It's a curious phrase to describe going on holiday, and I you know, made the point that you wouldn't say to some, you wouldn't say to your mate in the pub, they say, what are you doing next week? You go, oh, sorry, I'm not about, I'm on annual leave. <laughs> you leave that to the wing commanders and... People like that. But there's another one, actually, that's crept in of late. Um, And it's this. Um, I'm away at the moment and have only limited access to email. (laughs) Stop! (laughs) You have access or you don't have access. (laughs) What you mean is you've chosen not to reply very much. You're in France or something. I have limited access to email. No, you've got full-on access to email. You've just limited yourself in how often you've decided you want to check it. Your email is working all the time because, and here's the good bit, it's the 21st f***ing <laughs> century! You've got your 4G, you've got your Wi-Fi, I've got limited access to email. What does that, does that mean then, that you're on the beach and you go, I better go and check my emails, and you go back to the house, and sometimes the email's there and sometimes <laughs> it isn't. Yeah. Because you've got limited access. It's bullshit, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Paula in Surrey says, can I nominate the bloke who owns the campsite we've just been to for Easter? He charges by the size of the tent, okay, which is nothing wrong with that. Fair enough. Two birth tent, 15 quid a night. Four birth tent, 20 quid a night, and so on. This crock of shit decided that our four birth tent, for there were four of us, was actually a six birth tent. So he charged us for his imagined extension of our tent. We showed him the name on the side of the tent bag, which also contained the words, this is a four-birth tent. He refused to believe this and almost suggested that we'd rigged it like this. I am lost for words. I don't know what a berth is. How big is a berth? Well, I think it's like a four-man, isn't it? Four-man okay, tent, right. two-man tent. So you work it out for yourself. Like, you see a two-man tent, it's pretty obvious. It's a two-man tent. You couldn't get four people in a two-man tent, although me and a mate did do that in Munich, actually. Really? At the beer festival, uh, which is rather fabulous. In fact, we got five in a two-man tent. Sadly, the two Australians who were uh, in the tent, whose permission we did not ask before entering and deciding <laughs> to sleep for eight hours, uh, were not not quite so amused. Liam Wapping says, My cab driver is a bit of a dick for trying to convince me that Nigel Farage should be our next Prime Minister. I politely told this dozy dollop that not only is Nigel a multi-millionaire, public school-educated former commodities broker, but has about as much in common with a cab driver as he does with Alan Carr. Not only that, <laughs> he's also a pure pedigree prize bellend. <laughs> Fair enough. Produce. Uh, Keith, down that Swansea way, says, can I nominate the producers of Good Morning Britain? Oh, the yeah. the new, uh, new TV show. Have you seen much of that? A little bit. I saw a little bit. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Keith says, 
Uh, here's some facts for you. Susanna Reid isn't an audience pool. Ben Shepherd is worth more than this. No one has ever heard of Charlotte Hawkwind. And most of us assume that Andy Peters died in 1987. <laughs> oh, and while I'm at it, doing the whole thing around a massive glass desk does nothing other than appease scatterfiles everywhere who probably thought Christmas had come early. <laughs> I don't even want to go there and think about that. Danny Wallace is coming on later. Oh, Talking about his new book and other stuff. We talked to Danny on this podcast in just a bit. And you know, I like to flatter you. I mean, your taste is obviously impeccable and you know what you want from life, which is exactly why you should be driving a Mitsubishi Shogun. And the good news is you can now save up to five thousand pounds on this ultimate 4x4 with prices starting from just 26199 and 0% finance available across the range you've just got to check it out for yourself pop by mitsubishi-cars.co.uk/shogun for some very special offers shogun always capable surprisingly affordable and here it is everybody it's the feature with no name it's a good reason for that yeah, I'm I'm still smarting, as our American cousins might say. I still have a slight problem with you, really. In front of all of cyberspace, you humiliated me by coming up with some riddle or something, which yeah. was wrong. I mean, the riddle was wrong. The riddle had uh, multiple different answers. Uh, and since then, I've been on a quest to try to find a riddle that, that beats you and bests you. So I actually have no idea what you just said, but I'll run with it. Okay, here's what I'm saying. Going to give you some riddles. Okay. Good. Arnold Schwarzenegger has a big one. Michael J. Fox has a small one. Madonna doesn't have one. The Pope has one, but he never uses it. And Barack Obama has one, and he uses it all the time. What is it? A surname? You bastard. Get in there, Collins! Would you like a story? A story? Here's a story about Andre Porch, our technical chief of button pressing. Yep. While exploring the wild highlands of Ireland, Andre was captured by goblins. Grumpy, the chief of the goblins, told him he was allowed one final statement which would hinge upon how he would die. If the statement he made was false, he would be boiled in water. If the statement was true, he would be fried in oil. Now, Andre didn't like either of these options because he doesn't like water or oil. So he made a statement that forced the goblins to release him. What was that statement? What was the one statement he could make to save himself? Hang on. This is the kind of conundrum you normally throw at somebody and give them a couple of hours to work out. You're expecting me to do this almost like a bang, 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 you know, punchy McDougal kind of affair. Something, I don't know, you will boil me in water or something. Is that yeah. the right answer? Yes. Yeah, because if he says you will boil me in water... It makes the statement true, which means he should have been fried in oil. And they can only fry him in oil if he makes a true statement. But if they do, it makes the statement false. And the goblins let Andre go. You won't get this one, though. All right, go What on. can travel around the world while staying in a corner? What can travel around the world while staying in a corner? Stays in a corner, travels around the world. Travels around the world, but stays in a corner. There's a corner, something stays there. Look, while it stays there, it's travelling around the world. Look at that guy. That could only be a a postage stamp. No. Yeah, postage stamp. Crying out loud. Is that the right answer? Can you see my screen? No, I can't see anything. You mean you've written this down? Give us another. I've got one more. One more. There are two dogs sitting on a porch. Sounds like a Les Dawson joke. Or a Roddy Corbett 
monologue. Go on. Two dogs sitting on a porch. Not Andre porch. Two dogs sitting on Andre porch. One dog is fat and the other is thin. Yeah. The little dog is the son of the fat dog, but the fat dog is not the father of the thin dog. Who's the fat dog? The fat dog is the mother right, of the I'm thin just... dog. Get in there, Collins. It's a full four out of four. Thank you very much. I will be here for the remainder of this week. Sideshow Kev is back in three months after he's recovered. Stop it. Come on, get out. You what? I don't think I'm going to come back. Off with you, foul wench. You've got to teach the world to sing. Danny Wallace is the king. For justice and politeness are the laws that he will bring. Where the order of the crown is to frown upon the frown. We've done a constitution and we even wrote it down. Uh, very, very happy. More than delighted. In fact, a bit off the scale, frankly. Look who's here. It's Danny Wallace, Danny everybody. Wallace! Hello. How are you, Dan? I'm very well. Um, I like the fact you said, look who's here, and yeah. A, you can't see me, and B, I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, you know, being uh, artistic and creative and very stuff. Very nice. That's all right, isn't it? Yes, I like Listen, it. Well, we are just happy wherever you are, Dan. And, <laughs> and I just want to say congratulations on another shelf breaker. Thank you. Uh, it's an interesting concept, this, uh, join me. I mean, how, how did that work, then? You decided, what, to get a lot of people to... Oh, sorry, no, it's the oh, wrong... No, we've got this wrong. I've been what? given duff information You're about, about this. 11 years out of date, oh, you, you ninny hammer. Sake. What's going on? You jack wagon. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Here, here it is, here it is. Who is Tom Ditto? There, is the you, new go. Go. there you go. Good work, which is nice, because at the launch, sadly, your publisher forgot the name of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. He did. In uh, in about in the first sentence of his speech, yeah. he called it "Where is Tom Ditto?" Oh, that's e- easy done. But listen, it's always lovely, isn't it? To and I know you're very modest about this kind of stuff, Dan. But you know, it is. I think what the tenth book, tenth or eleventh book? Yeah, yeah, tenth. Um, you know, there's a couple in there that do little ones that that sort of count. No, but, they um, do count. They definitely count. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, ten, ten books. So um, it's a, it's a marvelous thing. And thank you for coming. You came the other night to yeah. uh, a little launch that we had in a very unusual looking pub. It looked a bit like a Young Offenders Institute. <laughs> Strangely enough, I, I think I was the only person there that had actually been in that pub yeah. before. Yeah, that that makes sense <laughs> because they used to take us. You did, day 18 months, you did 18 months in Chokey for all I those murders did, in the 80s. That's exactly what happened. And I was uh, on a tag. Uh, never <laughs> yeah. never made it to the third floor bar, only the second, of course, Yeah, quite right. Which, which was rather lovely. I did notice, but uh, <laughs> on the day you were having your book launch at the top, yeah. there was a guy having a retirement due yes. um, on the floor below. Yes. But they were charging £10 <laughs> to get... <laughs> to, go, to go to the, it was a guy with a, you know, a funny kind of like comical name. Yeah, um, wasn't it Howard? Someone or something? Something like that. Yeah, and it was he was having uh, it was it said entrance ten pounds. So wow. I don't know whether that was some kind of gag on. You know, how, Who perhaps he's an extremely cheap man. He might have been known as a thrifty sort in his exactly. time. Exactly, that, that's what it could have been. Um, so listen, the book. This isn't the first journey in, into fiction, of course, because the last book, Charlotte Street, which did really, really well, was was also in that genre. Was a novel, exactly, yeah. Um, and this one's it's about a, a man who um, he gets home one night and there's a note from his girlfriend, and and in so many books and so many films, that's always the entrance to something you know that she's going to leave him. But yeah. in this note, it says, "I have not left you, but yes. I have gone." Just carry on as normal. Yeah. So he's got to work out what to do from there. Yeah. Um, what you've done there is created a hook, Dan. 
it's a hook. Yeah. It's a hook. Yeah. I'll uh, get folk turning pages and stuff, won't I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it turns into uh, a slightly unusual book about some people he meets who have a very strange hobby. Right. Now, Ooh. this, of course, all against the backdrop of an industry uh, I'm a bit familiar with, of course, and that is radio. Yeah, exactly. He's a radio mm. newsreader, yeah. and I used to do uh, the breakfast show on XFM, which meant I used to sit yeah. right next to a newsreader uh, for four hours a day, five days a week, for 18 months, uh, and I was able to study the minutiae uh, <laughs> of his life um, and then put some of it into a book. And, of course, it's not based on Matt Dyson at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, yes. it's not based on XFM's can I, can, Matt Dyson. Can I, no, not at all. Can I just say something slightly strange? Is that yeah. Obviously, we went to your book launch on the, uh, on the Thursday, yeah. and, and Matt uh, was there, uh, a f- fabulous man, Matt, and, of course, he was you know, enjoying some hospitality. Yeah, he, uh, he stumbled in. He was actually going to Howard's... Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. He didn't have a tenor, did he? Yeah, no. So they, they threw him out quickly. Yeah. Uh, but th- the very next night, there was a leaving do at LBC, and I went to the uh, to the leaving. I popped in after work, and this was at a different pub in London's West End, yeah. and I was up there right in the, in, in the trendy Covent Garden. It was also upstairs, Ooh. and um, looked around, and I bumped into Matt Dyson wearing exactly the same clothes. It <laughs> so it kind of just looked as if uh, he hadn't gone home and had made it. He'd gone all the way from Southwark to Covent Garden over a 24-hour period and suddenly arrived. But well, there this he is was. It. Matt is able to sniff out a free drink. <laughs> any Matt. Genuinely, he once went to the launch of a pet food. Uh, you know, and he hasn't got any pets, but he, he, he traipsed across town to some dive uh, just because they said there'd be free sandwiches. <laughs> and, he, and he had to stand there and talk to people about this pet food and I how love- interested he was in it. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me one bit. I love that, and I love the fact you also snuck in at the book launch. His his ability, unique ability, some might say, uh, to be able to get a. Um, I think you, you, the, the, the particular example you cited a Samsung Galaxy into the uh, into the news headlines. These people, these newsreaders, these bunch of clowns, they're <laughs> able to. They they they're like Fagin's gang. They're, you know, if anything's free, they talk. I've seen yeah. them talk amongst themselves about free things up for grabs. He, he, almost two other newsreaders nearly came the other night to my launch party. Uh, you know, great fellas, but I haven't seen them once till I, since I stopped working that radio station. And it's just the promise of free beer would have got them in. Do you know, I once w- turned up at LBC one Saturday afternoon, and it was the day that, um, I, I think it was a, a Samsung Galaxy, some, something had been Are released. Are you now trying to get a free Samsung Galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, here was the, here was the bloody irony, Dan. mentioning them a lot. This is, what, this is what went on here, and this is where I, I completely concur and confirm what you've just said, because uh, I turned up, and on the reception desk were loads of sort of those little goodie bags yeah. that had some um, each one had a balloon in it on the balloon was written Samsung and yeah. there was some uh, some frilly stuff coming out the bag and inside each bag was a Samsung Galaxy and on the outside of each bag was a little card with the uh, the, the intended recipient's name and there wasn't one presenter's name on it. You yeah, were working exactly. at XFM, I was at LBC. Not, our names did not feature on any of these bags. There was no Ferrari name on there. These were just newsreaders, mostly. It is an absolute outrage. And, I, you know, I used to have one of those uh, black cards that got you free chicken at a reputable chicken outfit. I know outfit, the ones. Whose names... I, I, I refuse ever to mention that company's name on the radio or anywhere else in print. And I'm, I'm totally against that, <laughs> that, that chicken shop, that cut-price chicken yeah, shop. that South African place. Because, yeah, 
because <laughs> Matt, Matt had a black card, and he was reading the news next to me. I was, I was carrying the show. I was having to come up with the ideas. Oh, no, you've just, the this has just got even worse because I got a phone call about the black card. No. Yeah, I got a phone call from a PR agency, and they said, "Do you want the black card?" And oh. I said, "That'd be lovely." And they said, uh, "We'll send it to you." <laughs> and about a week later, a voucher for a discount of half a chicken turned up. <laughs> and I said, that's not exactly while, a black all, card, you bastards. All the while, Matt Dyson from XFM, Andre yeah. Morgan from Capital X, oh, yeah, Jim yeah. Diamond from LBC News, dining like kings <laughs> on cheap chicken. If I were, We're just round the corner from the Camden uh, outlet of that particular chicken parlour. Don't go. If I went round there now, there's Diamond and Dyson probably in there. Feasting on a carcass. All of them. Every uh, st- Peter Sissons. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor McDonald. That's brilliant. They're all in there, that, stuffing their faces. That is wonderful. Laughing at us. Listen, here's the thing, though, Danny. Um, this book does... It is set in a radio Bloody time. Nando's. That, yes! <laughs> Curse Nando's. Stick with the colonels. That's what I say. Yeah. Every, every step of the way. Exactly. So, listen, so 10th book, but based in a radio station. And there's another unique uh, aspect to this book, uh, which isn't why I've got you on the podcast. And that is that it is the first book. It's one of the, I think it's the first book. I mean, if you're going to send anyone a black card, you'd send it to the <laughs> presenter. Do you know what I mean? Not the news guy. Never the news guy. Do you know Sorry, what, Ian. That's all right, Dan. Do you know what the fir- the other first of this book is? What's that? Frankly, it's a bit upsetting, to be honest. Oh, you're not in it? I'm not in it. In any way, you're not thanked? I'm, I'm not thanked. Nothing at all. And yet here I am still happy to talk about it. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I couldn't... I could just say I couldn't have written it without you. Uh, yeah. But that would be a massive lie... Because uh, because I could and I did. I'd like to think that working in the same building, and I know I know it should be pointed out that obviously this is not based on a specific radio station. No, it absolutely all, isn't. It, it is isn't. all in it. It's kind of uh, a made-up station in Danny Wallace's brain. Exactly, but, no, but I use else. some of the experience that I, of course, I garnered. Yeah, yes. you've got to garner that experience, you've got to garner and then, experience, and then uh, spew it out onto the page. Exactly, which is always the best way to. I prefer craft. Craft, yes. You know, rather than uh, garner and spew. Kind of slightly undermines the whole process of (laughs) two years of writing your arse off, doesn't it, really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listen, Dan, um, uh, we are so grateful for you coming on the podcast as well, by the way. Um, It's it's been a bit weird because we've had everybody on this podcast, um, uh, comedians and writers and all manner of folk, um, uh, and, and yet... Two years down on, we haven't had you on, and everybody says, "When are you going to get Dan on?" Because Dan's a mate of yours. Get him on. Well, and it's one of those, well, it's a bit like you know the reason why you don't go to, into the Tower of London if you live in London because you think I can go there any time. And I always think, well, I could ring Dan. I know you're busy, but I could You're ring taking Dan. me for granted. And you? Yeah, you say I knew you were going to think that, and actually it wasn't that. I just thought Dan would do me a favour and come on the on the show. Would be a favour, be a pleasure. Uh, well, it was a pleasure, and we thank you, Danny Wallace. The book is out now. It's called Who Is Tom Ditto? Uh, be a bit lively because this one's going to fly off the shelf. That everybody. It's Danny Wallace! Danny Wallace. Thank, you. Thank you. If I could just say, please, please support your local KFC. Credit stream. Well, what about that? Another moosey offering. <laughs> In the bag. <laughs> Love it. Kev, thanks for downloading. <laughs> no problem at all. Do you like what we do? Somewhat. Would you like to help support this podcast? I would. Well, a couple of things that we should mention here. Firstly, uh, huge thanks, of course, to Mitsubishi, our sponsors of this, Mitsubishi Motors in the UK. If you Google Mitsubishi Motors in the UK, uh, that will tell you everything you need to know. They do have some outstanding offers on right now. Well, as you heard yeah. earlier. As you heard earlier. 
Who else should we thank? We should also thank uh, Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com for oh, all yeah. of his in-show feature and sponsor music. Andre for pressing buttons. Hang on, is that the fellow that does the Grand Design show? Andre? Kevin McLeod. Yeah, no, no, it's not him. Not that Kevin McLeod. No, it'd be awesome if it was, though. It'd be brilliant. They're doing crazy houses and crazy tunes. Yeah. Andre, you've got to thank Andre. Yeah. Andre for pressing the buttons mainly in the right order, except for that one time when he didn't. It wasn't bad, was it? No. Thank you uh, very much for that. <laughs> we liked that. Uh, Abdul supplied the catering again. Not bad. Nice slices. Nice uh, ch- cheesecake. The cheesecake was good. Yeah. Was that Abdul? Don't tell me. And there you go. Sign the visitor's book on your way out, everybody. Thank you very much indeed. We are, of course, back next week. What can only be described as a once a word special. See you then. That's seven days from now. Goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! It's another Ian Collins Once a Word Fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi ASX. New car smell is composed of 50 different elements. The new Mitsubishi ASX smells lovely and is yours from just £14,999. That's nothing to sniff at. Yeah.